0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 748 for Monday, February 11th, 2019. Greetings, <laughs> folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. The show where we take your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found, everything, our cool stuff found, all, all sorts of stuff. It doesn't matter. We just find it. You send it. We find it. We share it. Answers to the questions, sharing the tips, sharing the cool stuff found. It's like car talk for Apple users. Kids, ask your parents if the reference doesn't make sense because the goal is for each of us to learn at least Five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include ExpressVPN at slash mgg and BB Edit from Barebones Software at barebones.com. We'll talk more about those later. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How goes it today, Mr. John F. Braun? Eh, eh. I never know how you're going to answer that question.
1: <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like as I'm, so I did
0: I, solve, I a, did
1: solve a mystery.
0: Every man. week as I'm asking it, I think I really shouldn't ask this question. But I do <laughs> cuz you know, it makes it interesting. So oh yeah, tell me. Okay, so you you solved a mystery. What mystery did you solve?
1: So we had for a few episodes we were talking about the uh, mysterious system classification of storage right which so, it turns uh, out is not as mysterious as we thought well we 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 discovered one thing but i was still having symptoms okay so, as we pointed out you have to be sure to get the in order for certain utilities to give you the right figures of free and taken space you may have to add something to uh, uh the privacy things it, it, you have to terminal.
0: run them the right way and or give them the right privacy, full disk access. That's that's yes. exactly it. Yeah, exactly. And the and thing is, I
1: did that to, to
0: be to just to close that loop. If you're using Daisy disk, you just need to give it full disk access and, and then scan as administrator and you're fine. If you're using Omni disk sweeper also needs full disk access. <sighs> but. In order to scan as administrator, you have to do it from the terminal, which means terminal needs full disk access, and that was sort of the missing piece for both you and me. Anyway, yeah. so the th- thing just is, to I got,
1: catch people up. So by doing the terminal thing, I got numbers that were more accurate, but I still system was still taking up lots of space. Wait, the thing yeah. is, I was not getting the amount of free space that um, that was reported in okay. the utility. Okay, what the heck? So you know, I. <sighs> I just decided to, you know, do a hail mary. So what did I do? I went in recovery and I reinstalled macOS, which, uh, as some of you may know, will download the latest version and then install it over your current installation. Or that's one way of doing it. Okay, so, so it's you not didn't pave, but you, it's a reinstall of the, the OS again, with the assumption being that it's going to download the latest yeah revision and apply it. And the thing is, so I I did that a couple of days ago, and all of a sudden, Dave. I went from having 177 gigabytes free on my drive to having 347 free. And the size of system went from 338 gigabytes to 169.
0: What so, did you... Something... Huh. Did you try booting in safe mode before you did the whole maintenance reinstall over the top?
1: I, I tried. And the thing is, when I tried to, to boot into safe mode, yeah, it would do it. You know, To boot in safe mode, you hold down the shift key. And as, as some people know, that fixes a lot of things. The thing is, it would never successfully complete that. The bar would, the, the progress bar would get all the way to the right, and then just sit there and do
0: nothing. And okay, do the so part. there was some cache file so or m- something. That- so maybe that
1: did it, or the reinstall of the OS did it. Oh, I One see. One of the two. Yeah, right. The thing is, right. And the thing is, I recall I had a lot of old. Um, ios device backups and when i deleted them i noticed that the you know it wasn't freeing up the space and and i think it considers those system files so i don't know if it was running safe mode even though it didn't boot me into the the desktop yeah it did something so maybe it cleans something up
0: it, it it does it's supposed to rather clean things up it's supposed to clean out your cache files and and it rebuilds your boot caches and Runs so it maintenance could have been scripts, that. so yeah, it could have been that.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, reinst- reinstalling the OS, I think, also when it realizes, hey, you know, I, I just got reinstalled. That I think also may do some. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Constituting of you know cache files and, and stuff like that. But um, I like it. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. That's great. And I'm with you, and we have uh, we have some agreement here from our friend Brian Monroe in our chat room. Where is our chat room, Dave? oh slash a- stream, you might ask. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Where you can uh, join along. But yeah, so there was some cash somewhere that got reset by one of the things that I did. So sometimes you just got to keep throwing things against the wall and... One of them will stick, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's, well, I I mean, that's, that's the, that's the very colloquial, colloquial, easy for me to say way of uh, describing the troubleshooting process, right? It's just do one thing at a time. And, you you know, obviously you want to do things that you think will help, but sometimes they don't. And you just don't give up. Bullheaded persistence and, and just marching down the path. So, yeah, that's great. Cool. I'm glad.
1: So maybe it's something they fixed the because as you probably saw, we got a uh, 10.14.3 supplemental update two just came out recently. It
0: feels like they, they Captain's very Log sp- on Next Generation or something like that's a yeah. They weren't very thing.
1: specific, and I haven't seen a supplemental in a while. Yeah. They maintain the same version number, but they say, "Oh, well, this is kind of version two of this." Okay, just just install this. So yeah, maybe that fixed it. Yeah, one one of one of them, or, or just. Was random thing but just thought I'd share that because it was bothering me because I was running out of free space and I
0: yeah no you space. shouldn't be running out of free space yeah that's right well I mean you don't well, want especially to when
1: I delete things and it doesn't free the space up that's right. the, uh...
0: <laughs> yes
1: yeah oh yes and also as pointed out Brian Miro said they uh, they fixed the uh the, the small FaceTime uh security bug that you may have heard about right no that <laughs> that's a good thing yeah for
0: sure yeah 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 it's crazy All right, Uh, let's see. Um, We have some cool stuff found, so uh, let's go through that. Tom shares first. He says, I don't remember the podcast number you guys were where you guys were talking about the quick look plugins, but I have a great plugin that I use all the time and love. It's called Better Zip. It allows you to get a quick listing of the contents of a zip file without having to unzip it. It just peers in there. You select the zip file in the finder and hit the spacebar." A list of the contents of the archive is shown. It's great to be able to do this when you are trying to see if a file exists in an archive and don't want to unzip it to find out. And he, of course, ended his email by saying it's free and then followed it up with a new email saying uh, it used to be free, but it looks like it's still free. I don't know. It, a free download is available. Maybe maybe you have to pay afterwards. Maybe it's a uh, trial away or something. So thanks, Tom. That's great. Awesome. Very, very good. I had the opportunity at CES to check out this uh, what's it's called the Navitas Mu or it's a Navitas based technology in this Mu one charger. Navitas semiconductor is making um, what they're what they call their GAN fast uh, integrated circuits that um, use uh, gallium nitride. In their power hub. So what this is, I've talked a lot about what's inside it. What it is, is it's a, um, you plug it into the wall. It's a power delivery uh, a charger, like, you know, wall wart, but it's not a wall wart. That's the thing. It's super thin. It's way smaller than like even Apple's 30 watt uh, charger brick. And it's uh, it's a 45 watt charger brick. 14 millimeters thick it folds flat in you plug it into the wall you can plug your USB-C cable into it to charge whatever it is you want to charge your you know your macbook or your ipad or whatever you got or if you've got a one of the you know USB-C to lightning cables you can charge your iphones with that and they'll actually charge a little bit they'll charge as fast as the iphone will safely allow which is cool but um but yeah, this thing, like, it's so tiny and lightweight. As soon as I got it, it was like, oh, this is the one that's going in my travel bag because I don't have to think about it. It's always there. It's not big. It's not bulky. Um, so you can you can get them. I guess they are available now. You can pre-order. Um, they did a Kickstarter, but now they've got an Indiegogo that will uh, allow you to buy them. And I think they ship maybe next month or something for like 65 bucks, so... Um, pretty cool little thing. So put a link in the show notes for you. You can go check that out. Pretty good, huh, John? Did you, did you check those out at CES or, or no?
1: I don't know if I saw these guys. Now is this, I'm, I'm looking at the the picture of it. Does it have, are there prongs in it? Does it plug into the wall?
0: Yeah, it plugs into the wall. It actually comes with, a uh, it, it's it's you know what I would call a universal power adapter. So it comes with I think an EU plug in, a UK plug in, a US plug in, and something else. And you can they're 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 mod. It's modular, so you can pop these things on it. Which means that there is actually quote unquote wasted space in this because if it weren't modular, you could actually make it even a little bit smaller because you don't need the little connectors and stuff to you know to do that. So. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. So when you look at it on Indiegogo, you'll see, it, it looks like there's three pieces. There's actually four and one of them is connected to the, the main brick. And then the other two are, are what you would use if you were in, you know, different countries or whatever. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. Very nice. Seeing people taking advantage of new tech, all that good stuff. While we're on the subject of chargers and tech and all of that stuff, uh, Jeremy writes, listening to episode 746, he says, you mentioned dooji He says, I looked around their site and there was a picture for new arrivals. I didn't realize it was an ad for another site when I clicked it. But in any event, I was looking around and found something that some listeners might like. People were upset when MagSafe was taken away. But I found this little thing at DX.com. That replaces it for USB C devices. And it is. It's an elbow uh connector, which means it's got a little, you know, right angle in it, uh, that plugs into you, it's got two pieces. So one piece plugs into your USB-C port and gives it its own sort of mag safe thing. And then the other piece is um, um, uh, the other part of the mag and another USB-C plug on a right angle so you can plug in and and you're good to go and now you've got MagSafe on one of your usbc ports the downside of course is that you're dedicating one of your USB-C ports to this unless you pull out the little the little stub that's in there which is fine but 10 bucks little uh, magnetic elbow which is awesome I like
1: it. Oh, look at that! And it looks like it doesn't infringe on any Apple patents, so they're not going to get sued out of existence.
0: Right? It, yeah, It's not MagSafe, but it's MagSafe-ish. MagSafe-like. Like, yeah, I mean,
1: I see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I see the. You know, they have like five contacts, and yeah, but they're they're not using the same configuration. Hey, that's because uh, uh, oh, yeah, cool. I, I think uh, I, I think we can all say that we've at least once taken advantage of MagSafe. I know I have
0: (laughs) taken advantage of like thanked our lucky stars for is the right translation of of that
1: crashing to the ground. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I have been, you know, I'm a a mesh Wi-Fi junkie, John. It's uh, it's part of my stock and trade the last few years. I would say, Oh, guru. That's better than junkie. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would say you qualify as a guru because I think you've used everyone that's out there. And now there's one more.
0: And well, there's always been more, right? You know, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so I started all the mesh Wi-Fi stuff that we've talked about on this show, you know, the Eero, the, the Orbi, the Plume, the Velop, uh, and countless others, uh, have are all what I would, would call consumer focused mesh. And then there's enterprise-grade mesh, right? Like the, the high-end stuff that Ubiquity makes and other companies make it too. I think, uh, oh, the name was at the tip of my tongue. It begins with an R and several of you out there right now are yelling at your uh, car radios or whatever because <laughs> you're helping me along with this, but it's not going to work. So, uh, but anyway, there, you know, there's several companies that make enterprise-grade stuff, um, Ubiquity being one of them. Well, Ubiquity also makes something that lives in what I would call the middle, Uh, it's prosumer mesh Wi-Fi, or really prosumer routing gear that happens to also include wireless access points that can be used in a mesh type scenario. And, uh, and it's called Unify, U N I F I. So, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to play with this stuff for the last couple of weeks and I'm not quite ready to, to like. Weigh judgment on on it yet in terms of whether i think it's better or worse it's 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 interesting and in many ways it's better like it it's but in in many ways it's also far more confusing and that's sort of the point of prosumer stuff is for the right person it's the right thing it's all very modular so the interesting part about this is you don't buy like when you we and we've talked about this on the show right john when you buy a router Really, what you're getting is three devices in one. You're getting your router that routes data. You're getting a wireless access point in there, right, with most routers. And you're getting a switch so that you can plug multiple Ethernet devices into these things, right? So this is a three-in-one device. And that's how most consumer-grade routers are. It's how most mesh Setups are because you're going to need all of those things. So why, you know, ask you to buy and manage different devices? Unify actually goes the other direction. Everything is modular. So you get a router or what they call the Unify Security Gateway. That's all it does is route traffic, right? And uh, and it's got you know an Ethernet port for the WAN, an Ethernet port for the LAN. It's got some others on it too for management and things like that. But that's it. If you want Wi-Fi. Then you add uh, UniFi's Wi-Fi access points. I've got a few of the what their newer ones, which are the nano HD ones, which are four by four radios or four by four, five gigahertz radios, and I think two by two, 2.4 gigahertz radios. And they can be connected over ethernet or connected, uh, you know, they can mesh with each other. Obviously one of them has to be connected via ethernet to the security gateway, otherwise it doesn't work. And then they have managed switches, unify switches of different sizes and stuff. One of the cool parts about this, again, depending on your setup, it's either cool or not cool is the access points run only on power over ethernet. So you plug exactly one thing into them and that's an ethernet cable. Uh, It doesn't necessarily, as I said, have to go all the way back to the switch or to the the security gateway slash router, because, uh, They can do it. They can connect to each other over Wi-Fi, but that's also how it gets its power. And their switches can provide power over Ethernet. So you can do it all in one. And that can be a very powerful thing or a very frustrating thing, again, depending on your setup. But it's all very modular. You pick the right things for your setup. And then uh, and then if you want to access it all remotely, in fact, if you want to access it at all, The router doesn't have a web management interface in it. In fact, it doesn't have any kind of interface in it at all. um, Mostly it has a, a small one, but if you want to do any management, you have to run a device that has the management interface on it that you can connect to. You can run this on your Mac. You can run it on, you know, Windows machine. You can run it on all manner of things, or you can get what they call their cloud key, which is a device that. Runs the management interface and make sure you can get remote access and all of that good stuff. Once you are in the interface, it's awesome because you've got visibility into everything all at once, all your devices, all your access points. You can build a dashboard custom with all your cool stuff. Uh, You will pay a little more for this again. It really depends because you're buying everything modularly, but you'll probably wind up paying a little bit more than you would for sort of a consumer grade, you know, mesh system with a few mesh units or whatever. But, um, but it's a pretty cool thing. And like I said, I, I kind of wanted to pave the way here. I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but, uh, but that's, that's how it, that's how it works. And it works quite well. Um, Speeds are, you know, I can, again, in the right range and all that stuff, I can get, you know, over 500 megabits a second on my iPhone, which is only a two by two device. So that's, you know, about the fastest the iPhone could possibly go wirelessly. Uh, And it seems to work fine. And, you know, it roams between them and you can turn on all the fast roaming or turn that off if you have devices that have problems with it and really, you know, control things at a very granular level. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. 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 Brian Monroe saved me on that last thing with the R and the steering wheel. It's ruckus is the, uh, so hopefully many of you didn't too many, not too many of you created a ruckus trying to tell me what that was. So thank you, Brian Monroe. So any thoughts on this, John, now that I've explained this a little bit, any, uh, (coughs) you want to poke some holes or ask some questions about how this all works?
1: No. Um, I mean, I get what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely looking at, I mean, it's rack mount components and stuff like that, or it looks like a lot of it. Well, some of is, so it could
0: uh, be, none of the stuff I have is. It, it does not have to be, um, but there are some things that are, again, it sort of depends on what modules you want to buy. Um, like the security yeah. gateway I have is most definitely not a rack mount component. It's a tiny little thing that's probably about the size of like an Eero Um it's smaller than the Wi-Fi access points. Actually, it's just got four little ports on it. It's it's kind of crazy, the, the stuff. But the stuff is yeah. It's it's built
1: to be. No, I like how they segment it. Um, yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm with you that it looks very uh, prosumer, it, and that's okay. what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah they're they're not they're not trying to build this as anything any, anything else. In fact, that's exactly what they you know what they're aiming is the prosumer market. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a it's an interesting play. And, you know, and and of course, they have their own consumer grade mesh product called Amplify, which we've talked about and been very impressed with here. And we even said, you know, when, when we first talked about it, that, you know, it came from Ubiquity, which was making enterprise grade Wi-Fi forever. And, and this Unify stuff, mm-hmm. I think, to be fair, this Unify stuff could very well be considered enterprise grade Wi-Fi uh, or enterprise grade networking gear. Uh, for sure. It's just also the kind of thing that could work in your home. And I've met many of you over the years that have used, uh, over the past couple of years anyway, that have used Unify, uh, in your homes and, and very happy with it. So yeah, it it can work in small offices in your home or in large configurations too. So yeah, it's pretty,
1: but I like the markets they address. So, you know, you you can see, I mean, on their page here. So of course they do Wi-Fi, as you mentioned, security gateways. Switches, I mean, that's kind of a commodity these days. But the remote management, that's really nice. Yeah, you know, so so it would definitely be for, you know, I would think like a small office or something like that. But then also they they dip their toe into the uh, the they have cameras and LED lighting from what I see here. So there's some smart home aspects as well.
0: And that's the next you know, part is I've got a few of their cameras here too, and I, I figured we'd pave the way with the with the networking stuff, and then uh, maybe in a in the next episode or or you know the next couple of episodes we'll revisit this and talk about the cameras and how those work and all of that stuff too yep yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool lots of stuff out there we've also got the
1: um how about how much uh, how much um coin would you have to spend on these things here that that uh that's a good question uh, yep uh, off the top of your head.
0: Yeah, no. So the security gateway that I have is uh, the $139, right? So that's your router. Oh, all right. Well, then, well, that's just to start, to be fair, uh-huh. right? The <laughs> Wi-Fi points that I have are high-powered Wi-Fi points. Pro- Most people probably would only need two of these in their home. That's the Nano HD. And, and those are 179 bucks a piece um so you know you're at what 358 plus 139 so you're at about 500 bucks you may or may not need a switch the good thing is these nano hd units come with what they call power over ethernet injectors which means that they can provide their own power like you don't have to have a switch that provides power over ethernet to use these obviously you could and it makes it a little simpler but you can just take your ethernet cable and plug it into this thing that goes into the wall and it gives your access point power. So you're fine there. Uh, You could be done at that point. You'd probably be happier though, getting a, um, a cloud key, which is the thing that lets you, you know, kind of runs the management software. And that's another hundred bucks depending on which one you get. If you want the one with the cameras, I think that's uh, the cloud key gen two, and I'm looking at the price here. I think that's $120 or $130. So you're, you're in like the $600 range to get a setup like this in your home. Uh, so, I mean, it's more than you would spend on, say, uh, you know, a, a low-grade Eero or Velop system, but not that much more than you'd spend for, you know, a higher-end Euro system. Eero, speaking of which, just moments before we started recording, uh, the announcement came out that Amazon had bought Eero. So that gets interesting. So,
1: yeah, fascinating. We'll, yeah, we'll have to never, see. Never, never, never danced with these guys.
0: How long have they been? Uh... Uh, yeah,
1: never yeah. been on my radar. How oh, really? They yeah, what, they whatever they're, they're doing.
0: They've been doing this for decades.
1: Yeah. Oh, great. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, and their their Amplify system for a mesh system is, uh, is quite fantastic. It's, they're the ones, they were the first ones to come out with the plug directly into the wall access point or mesh point. They called it, um, you know, it, 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 units to, to work with the mesh. They were, they were the first to do that kind of model and, and mm-hmm. their, their stuff works well. It's, um, their radios are all three by three in those units, which is better than, uh, you know, most of the rest of them are all two by two. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. 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 So it'll be interesting to see, especially with the, the looping back on this Amazon purchase here. Uh, curious to see what happens to, to Eero. I mean, it's not surprising. They were a VC funded company. So, you know, an exit was always in the cards. Uh, I, I suppose there are worse acquirers than Amazon from a, from I, certainly from their standpoint, I'm sure it worked out great. I'm, I mean that from our standpoint as consumers that want to use this stuff. So uh my, my guess is they'll, Amazon will keep this brand alive uh, in a good way. I hope so, but there are others, you know, like I said, there's lots of options out there. So if Eero winds yeah. up getting screwed by this Amazon, or if we wind up getting screwed by this, I'm sure Euro doesn't get screwed. If we wind up getting screwed by this Amazon acquisition of euro there's other options but i i don't anticipate that i have no reason to think that that would be the issue
1: no amazon has a pretty good track record of not ruining things with their acquisitions At right least that's been my view unlike google right i mean right come on right right <laughs> i exactly. mean they acquire things and then shut them down it's like guys come on
0: yeah thanks for doing that. Do that yeah yeah <laughs> appreciate it no I'm generalizing, right. one, one last cool stuff yeah there are a couple things that that google has done that that have worked out well, like Google voice, right? They bought, what was it? Global something, global die. I can't remember the name. Thank you for banging on your steering wheel and trying to tell me, but um, you know, Google voice has turned out to be fantastic. Right. So speaking of which, you know, I'm, we'll talk more about this in the next episode because I I'm not quite finished with the transition, but we just migrated away from having our home quote unquote home phone number on uh comcast because or xfinity because they did away with their triple play plans and they were going to charge us 24 dollars a month to keep our phone line you know our voip line through them and it was like yeah so for 20 dollars i can port a number into google voice and for but you can't port directly from xfinity to google voice but what you can do is port from Google voice to a cell carrier like T-Mobile who lets you have a $3 a month plan. And that's all we needed. So for $23 and about four days worth of time, we've now taken our phone number out of Xfinity and it is a Google voice number. And we'll, we're using a cool stuff found the OB 200 from a previous episode It it hasn't arrived yet, but um, I ordered it today actually. And we'll, we'll use that to connect it to our phones so
1: yeah yeah i'm gonna have to make a decision soon so i did like you uh uh, uh cable vision or optimum or yeah whatever they're called this week um some big company acquired them too was it <sighs> i'll remember later sure. but, um, <laughs> anyway no uh my landline i had frontier yeah. but i upgraded it but i got a deal so it's 14.95 a month but it's only for a year then they're gonna jack it up to 34 which is more <gasps> than your for now the thing is I mean it's unlimited. U- us calling and then you know kind of you know you get a pretty good deal calling other countries not that I call other countries that yeah
0: I but think. Google Voice
1: is free man yeah no I, I understand that yeah <laughs> yeah so but I'm um, the thing is I'm I'm gonna have to do the dance with them at some point because I'm sure when it you know they jack up the price I'm gonna call them and say okay
0: what deals you got now even at 14.99 a month it's not worth
1: it yeah, so, let, let yeah. me, for me, it is. For me, it is versus the price I paid Frontier firmly ATT for a landline. So.
0: Right. But I'm saying that you can convert. So let's have this conversation, right? So it, my conversion in the end will cost me $73 in one time fees. And those fees are I paid $3 to T Mobile to buy a, a, or not to buy, actually. So sorry, $83. I paid $10 to buy the T Mobile SIM. I then paid $3 to activate that T-Mobile SIM um, on a $3 a month plan, which I only needed for a few days. And that gives me 30 minutes or 30 messages. And I didn't need either of those. I just needed an active line. And when I activated it, I put in our quote unquote landline number, which is our Xfinity number. It took about two days and then I got the email saying, yep, you're good to go. I made two phone calls, one from the the iPhone that I'd plugged this T-Mobile SIM into and one to it to make sure that the phone number truly went that way. And then it was like, I was satisfied. Great. No problem. Good. Then I created a Google voice account for free. And then I transferred that T-Mobile number into Google voice because you can't transfer an Xfinity number to Google voice. So once it was a T-Mobile number, I could transfer that to Google voice that Google charged me twenty dollars to do, and and now I'm done. That's where I am at this point in time. So I have a phone number that is in Google Voice, but it is my landline mm-hmm. number that we've had for years that we wanted to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, now we are choosing. Now from there, we could be finished and just have this Google Voice number forward to our cell phones, uh, and we can have it forward to all of our phones or none of them, etc. Uh, what we are choosing to do. Is in the last episode, and this was part of what inspired me to do this, we talked about the OB 200, which is uh, this device that plugs into your Internet, you know, plugs via Ethernet and will take your Google Voice line and VoIP it for you and give you an RJ 11 port, which is your standard phone point. And so that costs 50 bucks. One Again, one time fee. Our friend Steve, Mr. Comlink. uh head was the one that suggested that and Hmm. uh yep and then uh and then that's it and and so we will be finished there will be no more monthly fees 83 dollars in and so you know 83 divided by 24 within four months we've paid it back and we will never pay again unless google decides to start charging for you know google voice uh which they could but uh they aren't so i really am Uh only taking a four month gamble and that's that so yeah, okay. I highly recommend it, man. If you're already on a VoIP line, what's the difference? You know, might as well stop paying. So that's my theory anyway. Well,
1: I could stop paying, but.
0: Hmm. We'll but you it. might as well keep the lo- keep the number. Like if people have that number for you, which is true for us well, here. that's the thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have yeah. two numbers, the landline number that I've had forever and a cell phone that I've had forever. Yep. Yep. So, um, Yep. All right. But no, it'll, there'll come a point where I have to again do the yearly dance with the cable company and say, "Okay, what deals you got now?" Yeah, it was and, actually kind of annoying because all of a sudden. Uh, so the thing is, I actually uh, the the one nice thing with their bill pay is that it alerts you if the if it's over a certain amount, and all of a sudden I got an alert saying, oh this is over the amount that you authorized." And then I'm like, "Oh, the free HBO and Showtime you gave me, you're now charging me for them." Hey, thanks. It's like the last deal I did with them. I supposedly got free HBO and Showtime and I, there's not really any shows on either of those channels that I really want to watch. Um, but um, all of a sudden, yeah, my bill increased by like, you know, 20 bucks. Cause they were not charging me for those channels. And I'm like, nope,
0: nope. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You do need to do that. That yearly dance. All right. Uh-huh. One last cool stuff found. Uh, and this comes from listener, Brian and uh, Brian, Brian, writes uh and says i don't know if you've talked about QuickNAS. uh and this comes from uh dos dude one.com which is the place that we talked about last week maybe two weeks ago that has the uh software to let you install mojave and high sierra and sierra on Macs that don't technically wow. support it yeah this guy's so, good yeah he is good yes QuickNAS NAS is a simple menu bar based, based Mac OS uh, application that allows for quick and easy connecting of network attached storage devices. And it does. It looks pretty cool, actually. Um, it allows you if you want to connect to your NAS devices, you sort of set it up and then you've just got them right there in your uh, in your menu bar and you just choose it and you're good to go. So, yeah, a handy little tip. Well, uh, we'll throw it out there. Thanks for that, Brian. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, cool. Hey, uh, I want to take a minute and talk about our first sponsor, John, which is ExpressVPN. I think we all know why we want a VPN here, but I'm going to rehash that for a quick moment anyway. If you ever use the internet, Wi-Fi especially, in coffee shops, hotels, restaurants, restaurants, it doesn't matter somewhere else where you don't know who manages that Wi-Fi. And especially if it's Wi-Fi that doesn't have a password, anyone could be sniffing that data. At the very least, they could be seeing what sites you're going to, how you're getting there, all of that stuff. And maybe just maybe even be able to sniff like the data that's going, including passwords and all of that. This is. Is not okay. And this is why you want ExpressVPN because ExpressVPN creates a tunnel between your computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your whatever, tablet, doesn't matter, creates a tunnel between your computer and the outside world. So all anyone could see, even if they looked really, really hard. Is that you're connecting to ExpressVPN? That's it. They don't know what websites. They certainly can't see your passwords or your data, or your email, or anything else going back and forth, and you are covered. I've been using ExpressVPN for about the last two months here. We used it while we were at CES. Freaking awesome. It works one click, it's super, super fast. And It just works and it protects you and it's smart. It'll figure out how to connect to the right closest server to get you the fastest speed. And here's even a cool part. If you have one app that say you don't want to be VPN, like maybe you want a browser that is just local. Maybe you want it to connect to the hotels network or, you know, whatever it is, you just, you can tell the app on your Mac. Don't make this app part of the VPN, or you can flip it around and say, only make this app part of the VPN. So if you just want one browser on the VPN and the other stuff that you're doing not, you get to pick. It's super flexible and super cool. And it costs less than seven bucks a month. And it's not just my favorite VPN. It's TechRadar's number one rated VPN service. And it has a 30-day money-back guarantee. ExpressVPN is what you want. So protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash mgg that's expressvp slash mgg for three months free with a one-year package one more time with feeling expressvpn.com slash mgg to learn more our thanks to expressvpn for sponsoring this episode our next sponsor john is bb edit from Barebone software we love BB Edit. And you know, the reason we love BB Edit is because it does what it's supposed to do. It is a text editor. I know that sounds crazy to be happy about a text editor, but we love BB Edit as a text editor because it's so smooth at what it does. I have it running all the time on my computers. I use it as we're doing this show to manage all the chapters and everything because it just works in text. I don't have to worry about little formatting things getting messed up in there. I get to see characters aligned as they're supposed to be. I get to count words. It's right there. I can compare two files to see what the difference is. And all of those things are available in the freely available version of BBEdit. There are some advanced features that you can pay for, but just try out the free version. That's the place to start. You can do a lot of coding with the free version. You can connect to uh, servers and pull your files down. BB edit is awesome. So go check it out. Go to barebones.com and download your trial copy of BB edit today. When the trial ends, it turns into a free copy of BB edit. It doesn't stop working. So chances are most of the things, maybe all the things you do are available in that free version. Go check it out just right now. Barebones.com download BB edit. That way you've got it. You can have it running all the time. Like I do. And your life can get better. Our thanks to Barebones for making BB edit and for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's, uh, let's go to some questions, shall we? Should we start with Greg here? Does that work for you? Sure. Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if I lost you. Okay. Good. good. No, no,
1: no. We're, okay,
0: we're here. Okay, good. I know sometimes we have connection issues. So, all
1: right. Oh, well, uh, I
0: did. Oh, you did. No. Okay. Well, welcome back, Greg. I, I wasn't going to tell you that, but I, yeah, I, I had a feeling I had a feeling. So, that answers the question you need to plug your audio device directly into your mac i i, I am certain that that i'm not certain but i'm 99 percent certain that the problem you keep having is that because discord is very
1: finicky it's plugged into a hub
0: yeah okay. if discord uh which is the discord's the app that that john and i use to so that we we can hear each other uh it's it's where the audio okay. goes
1: and it did report and I had to dismiss it on the top of my screen. It says, "Oh, I'm not hearing you." The thing is, this happened like ten seconds ago, right? <laughs> where right. I was hearing you, and you were hearing me, but Discord on my computer that's was saying, different. I don't hear anything, and I'm like, "Huh."
0: I think that's I've seen that too. That's 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 a different quirk of Discord. No, it's when when you change audio devices while Discord is running, um, Discord will not hear the audio or play the audio too, depending on if it's your input or output device, uh, a new device that you change to, you need to quit discord and relaunch it. And then it will accept the new device. So with that in mind, I think what's happening is your device is going offline and online very, very quickly, probably because of, you know, it's connected to this hub, which audio devices should never be. uh, And, and, and that's what's causing you to just stop hearing me because you're hearing me out through discord. Um, yeah. And, and, and for the record, for those of you following along audio devices, audio is a real time uh, operation, right? And I know that sounds obvious to say, but uh, USB is not a real time. Uh, 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 it doesn't allow for it. It queues up things, right? It, it's not, a, um, it's not it's not an isochronous connection where things happen in time predictably. USB kind of cues things and sends them and cues them and sends them. So the more interference or the more devices you have between the computer and the end of the chain, i.e your audio interface, the more opportunities there are for things to get bogged down by USB. So USB really should never be used for audio is, is really the truth, but it's what we use for audio most of the time. It's why firewire is better for audio,
1: but, um, but right. Because the protocol is. I for re- various reasons. Yes, yes correct. Can yeah. Re- reliably. Deliver Ex- data.
0: Exactly. I mean, exactly.
1: In a time manner, kind of like TCP IP versus UDP, right?
0: Um, Yeah, in a sense, I think that's, yeah, yes.
1: If you want to geek out here, and I'll I'll tell you a short joke, and then we'll continue here, but um, a UDP packet walks into a bar, and nobody acknowledges him, so he leaves.
0: That's right. But everybody might have seen him anyway, because UDP packets are never acknowledged. Acknowledged. That's right, So.
1: Sorry, I, I had to explain your joke
0: so that it, you know, so that it tied
1: into the conversation. Nobody got that. Well, one or two people got it. Okay. Sorry. Continue.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I I, I think if you plug in that this might be the last of those issues, hopefully we make it through the show without it uh, being an issue. All right,
1: All right. I will re-architect my uh my USB setup in order to put something
0: Now, I am going to do the best segue that you could possibly imagine, because one way you could re-architect it, if you don't have a spare USB port on your computer, your computer is Thunderbolt capable. And so you could plug in a Thunderbolt to USB dock that or a Thunderbolt dock that has a USB port on it and that USB port is also now pretty much native to your computer because
1: Thunderbolt really just plugs directly uh, into the motherboard. What motherboard. am I going to do? Because I, I already have a DisplayPort thing plugged into my Mini. Well, you could go... Uh, so I could it, could I plug... Because the connector on this machine for Thunderbolt and DisplayPort is the same connector. Right. I'm just using it as a display right now. So could I get... a? So if I got a dock that would accommodate... Correct. You could have a dock that then has a system.
0: display port on it and plug your display into the dock and and then you're good to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, doc. Who would I go to for that,
0: huh? Well, that's, that's OWC makes a great Thunderbolt <laughs> two dock. Yep. Yep. Um, I have OWC's Thunderbolt two dock on my Mac downstairs uh oh, you in do? the office. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that because that's my twenty fourteen Mac, which is a Thunderbolt two. I've got you the Thunderbolt talking? three that I use, Thunderbolt Three Dock that I okay. use with my um Uh, uh, with my new MacBook Air. Uh, And then I've also got a CalDigit Thunderbolt 2 dock that sits up here in the studio and adds some USB ports that I needed. And the nice part is it adds USB 3 ports, even though this computer is not USB 3 native, but with Thunderbolt, it can be. And that brings us to Greg's question. Greg says, I'm trying to pick a hub for the 2018 MacBook Pro that I have, I want to connect one cable to hook up my charger, gigabit ethernet, an external display or two, and two or three external USB devices with USB-A connectors. I plan to get two hubs, one for the office and one for home. So it would be great to use USB-C to keep the price down. Thanks to Geekab, I know that USB-C hubs support transfer speeds up to 10 gigabits, while Thunderbolt 3 supports up to 40 gigabits. I don't know whether those transfer speeds include the bandwidth needed to drive the displays. In practice, if I'm using a USB-C hub to drive a display or two, will that slow down the read-write speeds from the external USB, USB devices or the gigabit Ethernet? Um, so I'm not sure what USB-C hub you would use to do all of these things. You should be able, like in theory, I think you'd be okay either way. Um, but I'm not sure what USB, I'm looking at OWC's USB-C hub here, uh, because that would be the first place I would go. And so we'll call it the USB-C dock, which is really a better, uh, a better way. And, uh, let's see the, the OWC USB-C dock is how much is it? Where is it? 119 bucks. So yeah, that saves you a bunch of money. It has three, four USB-A ports on it. Okay, that's good. It's got um, two USB-C ports on it, one of which you have to plug back into the computer, so you get another one. Uh, it's got an HDMI port on it, and it's got gigabit Ethernet. So that would let you drive one display. Oh, and, and uh, it has... Oh, no, you can either get one with HDMI or with mini display port. So you can't get one from OWC with both. So that device might not do it for you, but it might because you could also just get, uh, you know, your your MacBook uh, Pro has an uh, or actually this has another USB-C port on it. You could hang a USB-C to HDMI, uh, you know, dongle, adapter, whatever you want off of this and drive a second display. So, yeah, I think that would do it. I think that would do it. What do you think, John? Yeah, good. And that saves you a bunch of, of money. What's I that? I have to look at all these docs here and figure out which one to get, man. I know it's crazy. It's great. It's we we love. Uh, well, for you, I would say the OWC. They still sell the Thunderbolt two doc. They
1: must. I'm looking at their list of products, and I mean, I think they're backwards compatible, so I can
0: use no. No, Thunderbolt three and Thunderbolt two are not. Oh, right. No, no.
1: The is, uh, right. Because the uh, connector, right? Because yeah, well,
0: m- among other things, uh, the connector. Yes. Yeah. So you need a Thunderbolt two dock, which I'm not seeing on OWC's page. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I know. You know, we say it in the ads all the time that OWC is the first place that we go. It, it's actually quite true I mean you, you're seeing the proof is in the pudding right here
1: <laughs> we did we'll see all docs. yeah uh, well, I'll search later
0: oh no here you go yeah. I found the OWc Thunderbolt 2 doc I'll put a will uh, put a link in the in the show notes for oh. it so um it's 229 and it's yeah. got yeah gobs and gobs of ports and all the stuff you would need
1: so, yeah yeah or maybe it'll just uh yeah you know talk good. to them yeah maybe they'll uh... good luck with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, may, maybe, really? no, seriously, maybe, but, but not always with them. So yeah, yeah. they don't always, it, 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 just to be clear, John's talking about perhaps they would, they would give them something as a review unit or something. Uh, it, sometimes yes. Um, but oftentimes with OWC and, and, and lot, they, they are not alone in this. They don't necessarily, they certainly will send stuff out, but it's, you know, on a 30 day review or things like that. So
1: um, no, I don't know if their policies well, have the changed. The thing is, I mean, if it's something that I'm going to use and it's like, you know, a hundred bucks, then it's like, yeah, hey. Yeah, I mean, it's always it. nice to get free gifts, but of course. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, I mean, I, I, I like to reward people for their good work and, yeah. uh, and they do good work. They do good work. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. So
0: that would be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Well, see, Greg answered a question or Greg asked a question that we didn't even know we needed answered. See, we always say, <laughs> We all learn five new things, and we mean that, that we are involved in this. All right. Uh, let's see. We have a CarPlay question from listener Scott, who writes, he says, I have CarPlay in my 2014 Silverado. That's a—that's an old vehicle for CarPlay. It's not that old a vehicle. It's just old for CarPlay. Uh, he says, that works when I plug my iPhone 6 Plus into the USB slash CarPlay port. One of the issues with using CarPlay is that it's draining the iPhone's battery and not keeping the charge. This is a problem when I'm using Waze and other battery-draining apps. To get around this, I'm using a Bluetooth connectivity uh, solution and connecting the phone to the cigarette lighter or power port. Do they still call it a cigarette lighter? Well, maybe. Uh, He says, is this just Chevy's implementation of CarPlay or is there a setting I am missing? So um, it sounds like your car's usb port does not provide enough power i uh i I mentioned in a recent episode that i uh, traded in a 2011 bmw x3 that i had for since 2011 and uh and now have a 2018 uh, subaru outback the latter of which has carplay the former of which uh i had did not have carplay because that didn't exist in 2010 or whatever it was when this came out but Uh, But it did have BMW's sort of BMW apps solution. And the built-in USB port that would connect to the apps really didn't provide a ton of power. It provided some. And I found that most of the time it would provide enough power to sort of keep the phone in stasis, right? Like it wouldn't lose power, but it certainly wouldn't add power. And if I was doing anything with the phone then of course I would lose power. So it sounds like you might be in that same scenario because not all cars have this problem. In fact, I would say most cars that I've used with CarPlay uh, will charge my phone all the way up, you know, within a matter of whatever, an hour, however long it would normally take. So, yeah, I think this is your, your Silverado's issue and it's worth having one of those inline, uh, you know, USB power meters so that you can see how much power that's giving it versus say something that you plug into your cigarette lighter slash power port and see what you get there. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's, that's where, that's where I am on it. Do you have any thoughts to add to that, John?
1: No, I'm behind the times on this technology. I'm sorry.
0: This your, your car doesn't have your car. Wouldn't have USB ports either. So yeah, that would have been, that would have been no, quite prescient bananas, of them when they built it.
1: Twelve volt, uh, as we call it a uh, cigarette lighter port which i do have things plugged into
0: sometimes things that melt your phones but
1: hopefully yeah not but again. now i have the thing you gave me oh that's good that's good hopefully that
0: doesn't yeah. melt your phone yeah
1: no i don't think so no you gave me a yeah if you recall i think it's a microsoft branded 2.1 oh, amp dual port yep and uh it works great good oh cool yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it didn't melt my stuff like that other cheap yeah. device yeah
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Moving on to, uh, to Jeff. Jeff has a question about photos. He says, I recently replaced my old iMac with a new iMac and realized that after about five generations of setting up my new Mac with my time machine backup or migration assistant, I am loaded down with cruft. Hence, I want to do a new clean install and just restore my data only. I need to know how to save all of my photos metadata. I've spent way too many hours manually entering the data, and I don't want to do it again. Is there a way to preserve this metadata? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, it, unless I'm mistaken, well, I, I think all well, of us
1: ask a question here. Let so so me, let me, let me answer, let me answer it by metadata. Okay,
0: go. go. Yeah, then we can talk about what metadata, did. you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I think all of this metadata, which will come with a future definition, uh, is stored in your photos library. So when, and that's a, it's a folder, but Mac OS treats it as a package by default. It is in your home folder inside pictures and it's called photos library, uh, And, or maybe iPhoto library converted or something, but whatever it is, you know, you can look in photos in preferences and it'll tell you which one it's using, copy that over to your new Mac and all of your data, your photos and all of your metadata, which John is going to explain in a moment here. It should go with it. Uh, Do you, do you agree with that part, John? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, So now please, for everyone listening, explain metadata, if you would, please.
1: Well, the thing is, I, I, I you could understand that term in one of two ways. So one is that any modern camera includes additional data with a photo, and it's typically called EXIF, which I forget what it stands for. It doesn't matter, but it's all the parameters that were used to um, or, or, you know the lens, the resolution, the size of it, the ISO, the the focal length, the uh, exposure, f-stop, all that stuff that uh you know photography people got all excited about. That's all data, but then
0: exchangeable image file format is EXIF,
1: right? And it's and it's pretty much a standard among all modern cameras. So if you take a picture on one camera and then you try to load it into another piece of photo software. Um, It should see that data. Um, But then I think what he means by the metadata is that. So if you go into the latest version of photos and you highlight a photo and then you click on the info box, you're not only going to see the EXIF data represented within that window, but there's a lot of other things. And I think this is the data he's talking about. So uh, right now I just have a photo up here and. A lot of it is blank for this one photo because I didn't define any things, but it says, add a title, add a description, add a keyword, add faces, add a location, or assign a location. And I think that's the data he's talking about. And if you stick with Apple products, then I think you'll be fine. Are you with me on this? I am totally with you. Yeah. Okay. And that, that yeah. I think, is the the additional data that he's talking about. So you're going to have to stay within the Apple ecosystem to preserve that additional data whereas the exif data that that's going to come over but i don't think that was what he meant when he said metadata. i think he meant the other stuff that you know puts your photos into perspective so you know if you want to search for you know super duper whatever if you didn't name the photo i mean that's one way to organize things but um most cameras generate things with uh, some weird, you know, like even now I'm looking IMG underscore o five nine zero dot HEIC. That's not too uh, <laughs> too descriptive, <laughs> right?
0: Right. But in addition to that, Photos actually has a bunch of other things that aren't stored in the photos themselves that are just stored like your albums and and even other data. I think is is not necessarily stored in the photos themselves. It's not stored as EXIF. Right. So there's, there's metadata beyond that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as you pointed out, I I believe you're correct. The, uh, the package contains it. So it's additional data within the library or also known as a package file, which is, it's buried in there somewhere. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's right. It's buried in there somewhere. Yeah. Just copy the whole thing over. You're good to go.
1: Yeah. Or if you really want to migrate it well, or migrate it, you know, if you're moving to a new machine,
0: yeah. I'll, I mean, you can just copy it like that. If you copy that package, you've got everything. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if you want to, for whatever reason, if you don't trust that package anymore, you can, you could use something like iPhoto or uh, sorry, power photos, not, mm-hmm. you know, not iPhoto library manager, because that was the one for iPhoto, but power photos would let you sort of extract the data and move it into a new library. I, unless you're having a problem with your library, you, have something going on where, you know, yeah, I need to do that. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In our, uh, in our chat room here at Matt, slash stream dogster is saying, uh, if you go into photos and go to file export, checking the include title, keywords and description and location information will get you uh, all of that type of data as well. So thanks, man. That's great. You rock for lots of reasons and you know, but uh, there you go. Cool, right? Yeah? Good? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Moving on to Gary's question. This This one rocks. This might be a geek challenge, but maybe not. Sounds like John has an answer.
1: Okay. Cool. Believe it or not. Awesome. um,
0: I was hoping. Uh okay. So uh Gary writes. When I woke up this morning, I noticed that my login plus the guest user choice appeared, which means my Mac rebooted overnight. I thought maybe we had a power failure at some point, but the Windows desktop my parents used was still on and nobody mentioned anything about having to reset clocks. Then shortly after I came back, I noticed a notification saying that an update was installed and with the usual close option on top. But the bottom uh, where it says details clicking that only took me to the software update system preferences pane And it told me uh, the last time it checked was just now and that my Mac was up to date. Where can I find out what updates were installed and what they fixed, added or modified? So this is a great question. And as I said at the beginning of this, uh, to my knowledge, there's no update history, but I'm hoping I'm wrong and I'm looking forward to Mr. Braun dazzling us. With your ability to I'm find gonna just these types of things, but this so is the reason, think, well, let me, let me finish my, my little, uh, I'm just on a soapbox here, here for just one, one last second. Go. Yeah, So this is actually why I don't have auto update turned on, on, on my machines, Mac OS or iOS, because I want to know what updates are coming. I like, especially with Agreed. iOS apps. I want to like I and I update all the time. I'm 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 really kind of obsessive about it, but I like to read through the release notes on some of the apps because there might be a feature that was added or something that was changed. And I want to know. And if I had told it to auto update, I have no idea. So that's why I have it off. But you're going to answer Gary's question.
1: How do you know what's been applied? Now, you may think if you go to the app store and you click on updates in the newly redesigned interface that you would have some data there about your recent updates. But sadly, that data's not there. And right. that just makes me sad. So you may ask yourself, not only how do I work this, but you may ask yourself, where is a list of things that have been installed on my computer as of late? Right, Dave? Sure. And I'm going to tell you exactly where to go. So okay. get ready. I'm ready. About this Mac. Kay. System report. Software. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. All right. You see that item? Installations? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. There you go. Sort
0: by install date. Huh. Okay.
1: And look at that. Those are all the things. And actually, I'm looking on my Mac Mini, Dave. I have a list of things dating back to 2012, which is, I think, when I put this machine into service. This is a history. I think this is actually digging things out of a receipts folder. so when Mac OS installs something it creates a receipts file or there's a receipts directory or something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know the details it hasn't it, but but it, it keeps track of where it's installed. Now sadly, I don't know why they excluded that because I think the App Store used to show the most recent updates. huh right? Didn't it?
0: Look at that. Yeah,
1: man. this is great. So, uh, And again, I think that's digging through the receipt that that there's some system folder that it's basically parsing and showing you and saying, "Okay, here's all the stuff. I mean, it has the version number, the source, whether it's Apple or third party and the date that it was installed. But here's the cooler part, Dave. Uh Oh, you can see some of the sneaky things that Apple is or or the good things that Apple is doing. Like here, I see that Gatekeeper configuration data was updated on 2.8. What's Gatekeeper? Gatekeeper is one. I think it's their antivirus uh, uh, deal, right? it's their anti-malware deal yeah exactly Their anti-malware yep. yes yep so look at that it kind of because i think the, my machine and i think most machines is that you can say install system uh, i forget the exact uh, term here yeah uh, there's a, a category of and i think if you go to software update advanced yep okay here it is um Ah,
0: uh, you know, that's pretty good. check this box. No, it's okay, the so install system data files and security updates is the checkbox that you're looking and for. And
1: oddly enough, on this system, that box is not checked, but it looks like it did it anyways. Ooh. Hmm. Well, I have check... For, so there's five boxes here. Check for updates, download new updates when available, install macOS updates, install apt updates from the App Store, and install system data files. But it's not checked. But I think Gatekeep... Uh, unless yeah. it doesn't consider gatekeeper, a system data file or security update. But I would recommend to people, I'm going to check that box right now, Dave, because that I think is something you do want to have.
0: I've um, always left that checked. Yeah. 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 But that's interesting that yours did it without that box being checked. It makes me wonder. Well, if that, unless again, they don't thing.
1: consider gatekeeper. Yeah. System data files or security, but I mean, I think it kind of is right. I think so. I thought so. I would have said so. Thing, I see MRT config data. I see that too. Yeah. There's an SU, there's a lot of interesting things happening here. So if you want to know what your Mac's doing behind your back when you're not looking, this is the, And I don't know why I just, I don't know. I was just.
0: It's how how your brain works, man. I love it. That's great. Well, it's just like, where
1: can I look for this? It's like, is it, oh, it has to be in system info. It's like, oh, of course it is. No, it's good. (laughs) It's good, man. That's good. All
0: right. Uh, let's see. We have actually we have a bunch of follow ups from previous previous episodes to run through. But first, I want to thank all of the premium supporters that have contributed in the last couple of weeks. We've it's been a few weeks since we've done this, so my apologies uh, for omitting it. We've had so much content that it just like I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Here we are. So uh, for those of you that are interested in learning about our premium. Offering, you can go to macgeekgab.com/slash premium. It's essentially a program really built at your urging. Uh, for those of you that want to support the show directly, you certainly can. We appreciate it. Uh, it is not mandatory, as you've probably figured out by now. We're happy to answer everyone's questions, but people that do support the show get a special premium at macgeekgab.com email address that they can use. And we do prioritize that some weeks. Like this one actually. There's about 51 and a half weeks of the year where we answer every question. This week was not one of them. So we will get to the rest of them. We're not going to just let them go. But uh, but you know, we prioritize the premium stuff, among other things. You, you know, you help us, we help you. It's it's how it goes. So I want to thank all the folks that contributed. I'll start with the one-time uh contributions. Tim T for 25 bucks, Ken M for a hundred and robert s for 50 so thanks to the three of you you rock on our monthly ten dollar plan we have jeff f gary b joe bp tony z ev the nerd robert d nick s Stephen b beth b ward j olga p jason a Stephen a jason t chris s actually at twenty dollars a month uh paul m mike c mark r chris f bob at working smarter for mac users Ryan M, Neil L, Scott F, Dave C, James C, J C, no relation amongst the three of them. Joe S, Frank A, Abdullah B, Ari L, Michael P, Barry F, Bob L, different Bob L than before. Jeff P, John V, John D, Santiago M, Ken L, Dave G, Clive S, Scott G, and Jim M. So thanks to all of you. And I didn't count how many there were, but thank you. You rock. And on the biannual $25 every six month plan, we would like to thank Antonio B, Brett H, Terrence N, Warren R, Kurt W, Joe M, Robert P, Karen K, Richard S, Jeff F, Lewis R, Brian G, David P, Mike M, Frank F, John I, Ian P, Mary G at 100 every six months, Corey A, Richard B at 30 every six months, Michael P, Andy W, Craig S, Joel F, Teresa B, Norton B, no relation, Edward W, John P at 50 every six months, Dan E, John O, Tony G, Richard J, Avram M, uh, Paul W, Gary T, Ron G, Dennis J at 30, Bruce M, Greg H, Anthony N, Deb L, Eddie M, Mark S, Walter H, Robert T, Graham R, I told you it'd been a few weeks, James M, Eric D, George D, Cindy K, Racer G, Tom H at 75, Mark E at 100, Tony C, Michael E, Ben H, Mark S, Brett P, Michael D, Dionisio Y, Ralph M, Dan B, Tim M, Will S, Joe K, Jim K, Robert F, David H, not me, Carl B, Louis Michel, Joshua O, Peter P, Paolo B, and Margaret M, you all rock. So thank you. And again, madgeekup.com slash premium is where you can go. If you are interested in joining all these great people in supporting us directly, if you're not, or if you can't, if you, even if you are interested, but you aren't able, that's okay. We love your questions. We love your tips. We love all that stuff. And that's really why I always hate it when I can't get through everything because um, we really do appreciate all of your questions. And it's, you know, it's what keeps the keeps things going here. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. All right. Now, Jumping in and let's see if we can get through all of these tips and follow- ups from previous shows. in show seven forty six, we were talking about um ways to find out whether your disk was created, your APFS disk was created directly with APFS or migrated from HFS plus to APFS. And uh, Keith says, my MacBook had to go into Apple for a new keyboard. Uh, So I took a super duper backup and then did a system restore and fresh install of Mojave, including formatting the drive fresh as APFS. When I got it back with a spanking new keyboard, I've restored my super duper backup. But when I run disk first aid, I don't see formatted by new FS APFS. Mine says formatted by disk management D says i know i formatted this as apfs from within disk utility as part of the recovery process so just another data point and i appreciate you sharing that keith that's great yeah so disk management d i I think the one is when it's convert uh from hfs or whatever that one exactly is that's that's the one that uh that means it was converted and uh you may or may not have any issues certainly the drives that we've heard about having issues have been those have been converted so actually two weekends ago i converted this machine to not be converted anymore. I wiped it. I did the, the, the exactly oh, the same thing here.
1: Okay. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Just to. All I'm going to say, I'm going to throw in a little piece of data here is that it may have, in fact, been
0: formatted by Disutility. I'm sure it was. He did. He did it himself.
1: Right. All, yeah. all I'm saying is that here, here's a, a little data point just to, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, yeah. go into terminal and type man disk management T. Oh, gonna yeah. It's going to give you a little manual page telling you that it's basically the process that this utility and other things talk to. That's but right. I yeah. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, "Oh, it ends in a d, so that's be like a system level process." Yep. Let's And that happens for a lot of things. So if you see things in your um, either istat menus or activity monitor or something and it's something that ends in a d, go to the terminal, type in man a space and then the name of that thing, and you may get some information about what the heck it is. Yeah. Just so you for sure. Yep. Make sure it's not something evil.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, In the last episode, 747, uh, Stephen writes, it was mentioned that in notes, only the first page of a PDF is viewable without sharing to another app first. He says, well, in iOS, you can just tap and hold on the PDF and then can scroll through the whole thing. It seems normal and the expected behavior to me says, I don't remember having an issue when I first use it. Uh, I guess that they long touch is effectively doing quick look for iOS. You are absolutely right. Steven, that that is how okay. quick look works on iOS says this is the same with other attached multi-page, doc, multi-page documents and notes. What makes it seem different is that you may choose to show the attachment as a small or large icon. With the latter for a PDF, that's the first page. PDF is, I think, treated differently because of the close relationship between PDF and the Quartz Composer. It says, here's the interesting thing. On the Mac, you do exactly the same thing in Notes. Select the attachment, see only the first page, press the space bar, and Quick Look shows you the whole thing. So, yeah, Quick Look to the rescue. Thanks, Stephen. That's great. That's a, a great follow-up on that. I and still makes think sense. their
1: implementation on the Mac is lame.
0: At least it's consistent, right? Because the Finder is the same way, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I see what you're saying is that yeah, the, it, it, whatever platform you're on, implementing Quick Look yes. lets you see all the pages. I just think it's it's lame that you can't see. <laughs> you should be able to see all the pages with with the native UI and not have to do something special. I that's just my feeling. But yeah, yeah,
0: sure, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Do I have this one? Uh, I thought I had a good question here. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we had been talking with listener David about not being able to use uh, his keyboard on his iPad when the iPad was shut down. Or when it would go to sleep, it would wake up and his Bluetooth keyboard would, uh, would not persist. Well, he says... So often, the simplest things are hidden until you know where to look. So, going into settings, face ID and passcode, USB accessories needs to be green or on. Uh, and that allowed the keyboard uh, to persist. And that's it. So, it, uh, sorry, not a Bluetooth keyboard, a USB keyboard uh, to persist. It just by turning that on it kept it alive and you are good to go so very cool thank you david for for uh, sharing that good stuff craziness huh john crazy crazy all right uh let's see moving along to michael uh who has a couple of things to share actually uh first is he says um Regarding CarPlay, I bought a used 2012 Honda Accord and installed a CarPlay-capable radio myself. And these are available aftermarket radios uh, with CarPlay, or head units as we call them now. It says, I also installed a backup camera and it all works great. With iOS 12, my podcast will play for two to three minutes through CarPlay. Then the audio will stop while the counter still shows it is playing. The silence lasts for about 30 seconds, then the audio resumes with those 30 seconds missing. If I press pause and then play, the audio restarts immediately. says, I've sent Apple a movie of this, and hopefully they will fix it. It happens in four different podcast players, Overcast, Castomatic, RSS Radio, and of course, Apple's. They all act the same way. Well, the good news is Michael followed up with us, and he says Apple recommended using the latest public beta, which at the time he sent sent us his email about a week ago was 12.2.2. He says, so I did. And that fixed it, he says. So I've reported that. And hopefully in the next release, this problem is solved. So that's uh, if anyone is having CarPlay issues with uh, with with that in particular, it's fixed. Just either install the public beta or wait and install it when it's when it's out. Depends on how
1: important that is to you. So pretty good.
0: Thanks, Michael. Good stuff. Any thoughts on this, John, before we uh, wrap up with these? My only CarPlay
1: issue is I don't have it.
0: Mm. It really but is quite it's spectacular.
1: But it's interesting to hear, maybe I will install a radio.
0: It depends it if you it. if you have a head unit. I, I don't know where... I, I wonder how that would work in your car, because you don't have like a, a, a spot for a screen, right? And and so you would need one in order to no, use CarPlay. No, a slot
1: play. for a traditional radio, which mine also came with right a cassette. I mean, I got that too.
0: Right. But you know, but I mean, CarPlay pretty- needs a, a screen, right? I mean, CarPlay, that's really right. all CarPlay is, is a screen. or That's the main part of CarPlay. So I wonder, yeah, I wonder so how. I you'd
1: have to swap out the radio and then probably would have to run. And, you know, I think I saw some people at CES. Yes, there was at least one company that, yes, I think had that. So I would have to get like a heads up display or something.
0: Yeah, Um, it would it would be a screen because it needs to be a touch screen for CarPlay to work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Plus So I uh, have to get a radio unit that, you know, the size of that is standard, but then I have to run a screen somewhere. So yeah. Not too
0: complicated. Yeah. As long as it exists. I the ones I've seen are all like, you know, ball in one kind of things that replace whatever screen you've got and also add the backup camera, which is, you know, super actually (laughs) super handy. It, that that's one of the best things they've put in cars in the last you know whatever
1: ten years or whatever. Oh yeah, it's those backup cameras. It's yeah, great. Well, it's always good not to yeah run over things.
0: Yeah, my car will actually stop me from backing up if it senses another car. You know, like in a parking lot or whatever. You're backing out and somebody's coming along. It'll actually stop me it, even if I couldn't see it. It's pretty so cool. Is it,
1: so is your sonar, or is it just visual?
0: Uh, both. Yeah. It's it's okay because yeah, yeah you, you want to have both. a
1: backup. Thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, so soundwave if it sees a thing in the way. Yeah. Well, that's a good feature.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. All right. Uh I think we have well, we've got a couple of tips, uh, one last follow-up from previous shows. Um in 744 Mike Mark writes at the end of the episode you talked about not getting sound on the questioner's iPhone when a notification happened. This made a bell go off in my head. With something that was also driving me crazy you said that if you're wearing an apple watch it could be sending the notification to the watch first prioritizing that and not buzzing your phone he says when i well i purchased an iphone 10s max recently and was told that my apple watch series zero would not work with it indeed most functions do not work but i never thought the reason i was not hearing any sounds on my iphone from notifications was because I still had it set up from my last iPhone to ping my Apple watch. So I turned notifications off for the watch, and now I get sound and notifications on my iPhone again. After I recover from the second mortgage for the iPhone purchase, it will be time to get a new watch. So yeah, the watch can definitely be the thing that that grabs those notifications uh, before they ring anywhere else. Apple tries not to buzz you multiple places for their own notifications. And uh, sometimes they succeed, perhaps too much. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. I think we can squeeze these malt, these last three tips in. Maybe James writes. Uh, I have heard you talk about using the combo update package to correct ills that other methods have not been able to fix. Well, I can attest to this working for me. In fact, I wonder if this would have worked for your issue that we started the show with, John. He says, my wife has a 2017 iMac that's been slow to boot from the time she got it. At first, I blamed this on the 5400 RPM disk drive that I mistakenly let her purchase to save some money. I figured it might be slower than the 2007 iMac. Uh, with an SSD I had installed. It was replacing, but I did not expect it to be as slow as it was. What exacerbated the problem was that it took three minutes or more to get to the Apple login screen. My backup plan was if performance became an issue, I would move the boot disk to a USB Gen 2 external SSD connected via Thunderbolt 3. I eventually went that route. And once booted, performance was very good. But the time to get to the login screen was still... Three minutes or more. While researching and trying many things to improve boot performance, I found a reply from someone who experienced a similar problem. They solved it by updating the iMac using the combo updater. So I did that. Lo and behold, time to boot or boot time to login screen dropped to approximately one minute. Needless to say, we are pleased. So yeah, very cool. That it's a good reminder that the combo update can solve a lot of problems. Um, Not only does it sort of do the dance that happens when you do an install and wiping out the cache files and all that, but it does install all of the components that are new since the, you know, 0.0 version of that OS doesn't replace everything like, like John's update did, but it replaces a lot of things and that may, uh, may do it. So thank you for sharing that James. That's great. Pretty cool. huh, John?
1: So did so when you update from recovery? Is that a combo update or a full update?
0: I'm not no, that that pulls down the full updater of the current version. So it's it is okay. the it it's yeah, it's not the point zero. It's whatever the you know whatever the current release is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because okay. that's the internet the, recovery or whatever they call
1: it. The only other thing I'd add here is that just because a disk is fifty four hundred RPM doesn't mean that it's slow. That's true. That's that, true. What you want to look at, so for any drive, what you want to look at it, and sometimes it's hard to get this, but from whatever vendor it is, get the data sheet and you want to find the raw throughput of the platter, and, and they use different terminology, but the thing is, you're probably not going to operate at the speed of the interface, the SATA, and it's probably a SATA 3, but you will be operating, you you in theory can operate at the speed that the pl- data goes from the platter or the chips, if it's an SSD, to the interface, and that data is available. Um, and in theory, you can get a 5400 RPM drive that you know kicks butt. But right, right. you got to look at the numbers. Yeah. Uh, 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 on the other hand, in general, yes, 5400 is kind of slow. I, I think I've even seen slower drives, like 2700, sometimes, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Would you come up with this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, exactly. These days fifty-four or 72, or um, I don't know if, did I see a 10 K drive? I don't know, but it's everybody's. Oh yeah, for sure. Way, so oh, there's matter. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but he's right. Like just get an SSD. If you want to, if you want to address that problem, just get an SSD, you know, for, especially for your boot drive. Yep. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Going to Jordan, who has a tip to share. he says, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I wanted to share a quick tip I came across today on my MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I'm a huge fan of using the terminal, and while I was running the software update command, I noticed that on Touch Bar, and that, that is a command you can run from terminal, software update, all one word, all lowercase. He says, while I was doing that, I noticed that on the Touch Bar, I had an icon come up that looks like a document with the name of the command next to it. Clicking on it or tapping on it, brings up the man page for the current command in a new terminal window with a yellow background. This is super handy since it gives an easy to read man page in a separate window versus typing man before the command you wish to know about. And then that way you automatically have the man page up in a separate window and you can kind of go back and forth. That's pretty cool. I like, what? yeah, no, look at somebody at Apple thinking about the, yeah. uh, the touch bar in the terminal. I like it. It sounds like a, uh, that sounds like the title of the show, the touch bar on the terminal. It's like, it sounds like a great adventure. Someone could go on. Well, I don't know. No, anyway, no, I think so. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, one last little heads up is from Don who, yeah, it's a fish shake. He says, uh, I was getting, he he wrote us and he was getting all kinds of issues with, um, with, with, Corruption on his drive. And he says, I fixed all of this by eliminating the Microsoft OneDrive app and the folders associated with it. It involved a lengthy process, he says, of removing the app, deleting the OneDrive folder from users, and then cloning the drive with Superduper. He says I then booted from the Superduper clone, reformatted my max hard drive as APFS, and then cloned the Super Duper back. I booted from the hard drive to make sure it booted, then booted the Mac from its recovery partition, ran disk utility, which ran first aid with no errors or warnings. He says, I was clued into the problem with OneDrive uh, by referencing the following website. Somebody on UserVoice talked about this issue. He says, the uh, the threads in the discussion indicate a problem uh, with that whatever is causing disk utility to return a warning message corrupts the time machine backup I can confirm that this is a problem that I noticed with my new MacBook Air when attempting to correct its SSD by reinstalling macOS again and then migrate my data from Time Machine. It failed partway through the migration. The warning message is therefore critical. Anyone who is running Microsoft OneDrive app should run Disk Utilities first aid from the recovery partition ASAP. If warnings occur, get rid of the OneDrive app and the associated folders and recreate the Mac from a clone so thanks for sharing that don that's um that's craziness we will put uh we will put a link in the show notes of course because uh you know that's how we roll here but yeah that's crazy man huh that's not uh not so good but uh, at least now we know so there you go thanks and microsoft. Th- thanks microsoft thanks dan really don sorry i had had your name wrong don Um <laughs> uh, That's what I get for looking quickly. Well, we didn't make it through everything on the agenda, but we made it through a lot, John. And I feel pretty good about that. So I think there's only Mm -hmm. like four or five things left that we had to skip. One of which we were going to skip anyway because it turned out to be incorrect. But, you know... What? There you go. We try to we try not to share incorrect data. So who's one incorrect? Of, one of the tips we've we never got. been
1: incorrect.
0: We've been incorrect so many times it's ridiculous. That's what I love about <laughs> our community is like folks help us. We get it right in the end. Wow. That's the idea. Yeah, you're right. Everything. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. That's I I I actually love being wrong because it means I'm going to learn something. That's like it's the best.
1: It really, well, is. and it means that somebody's paying attention, which. That too. Yeah. If you do anything in your life, pay attention to what's going on around you.
0: That's, yeah. There you go.
1: It's good. Sweet. Maybe do something about it. Maybe do complain. something about it. That's Don't right.
0: Yeah. Coolio.
1: Which, but if you want to as complain, Jeff points out,
0: is artist Leon uh, Ivy Jr. But, you know,
1: there you go. But if you want to complain, or you have a question, or you have a tip, or pretty much, you know, if you just want to feel like it, Dave, I think one thing that people could do is send an email to feedback at macgeekab.com.
0: That's feedback at macgeekab.com for all of you that
1: weren't paying attention the first time. Mm -hmm. And and at least this time, Dave, you got it right in that it's feedback at Mm macgeekab.com.
0: And you can visit us on our forums at macgeekgab.com slash forums. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to hang out with you there. We'd love to answer your questions. We can share tips. It's like Mac Geek Gab goes all week long right there at macgeekgab.com slash forums. <laughs> we want to thank all of you, of course, for sending in all your tips and everything. This episode was chock full. It was good. Uh, I'll thank you, Mr. John F. Braun, because uh, without you, the show would uh, not be the same at all. It'd it would be, be half terrible. the show. half half the time it'd be half the show half the time I don't know what that means but it it rolls off the tongue so (laughs) that's what we say
1: that could be the episode
0: half the show half the time no this show took almost this will be longer than most of our shows double the time there
1: you go Uh, half the show double the time (laughs) (laughs) double the show half the double the show half the time there we go no
0: we still have a lot of time and and the more we do this the longer (laughs) we take Uh, I want to thank cashfly at c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com for providing all the bandwidth that gets the show from us to you. Of course, I want to thank our sponsors ExpressVPN.com/slash MGG, uh, where you can get three months free as part of that one-year package, Barebones.com, where you can get BB Edit, uh, Smile Software.com/slash Podcast, Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com uh let's see opsgenie.com, erocom slash mgg i think the slash mgg thing still works now even though uh amazon took them over hopefully looks like it yeah
1: exactly
0: have a uh have a good time all the time have a good evening or day or noon or whatever time it is you're choosing to listen and. um yeah, don't get caught.
1: Made up.